You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins is on the board as well. And Mike, we can raise a banner in Lucas Oil Stadium because ESPN has declared the Colts winners of the 2019 NFL Draft. So cue the celebration, get your hand claps, pour the bubbly. It's over. Do you have a parade down Main Street, as Jim Irsay said, when you win the offseason? Absolutely. Lombardi? Yes, everyone. You we, celebrate what everything. We should, what we should do is have it down like Main Street in Beach Grove. Yes. And, and we can sort of build up to Main Street in Indy. But uh, I would rather it, – it's for the most part what I saw, people were on board with the Colts draft, some obviously more than others. And it's kind of crazy that Mel Kuyper's got the Colts going to the Super Bowl after – who the hell is Mel Kuyper back back in the day with, with Bill Tobin? But uh, top to bottom, I mean, we'll go over it. Mm-hmm. You like the draft? Are, are there any Darius Leonard's in there? We'll see. When you don't have a high pick, you're not probably not going to get a Quentin Nelson. But top to bottom, they addressed a couple of areas that certainly need to be addressed. There's a lot of, like you said, they addressed things that they need to. They brought in depth where they needed it, certain positions. We talked about the secondary so much leading into this draft. They absolutely brought some guys there. I think the one area they didn't really address too much was the interior defensive line that we thought they might address there. And in fact, they actually traded one of their interior defensive linemen away in Hassan Ridgeway to get back in the seventh round to select Javon Patterson. So that tells you, at least it tells me, that the Colts themselves are probably more happy with the interior defensive line than we were going into the draft. Well, number-wise, they're in pretty good shape as far as bodies. Right. And we, we say interior, and it's really hard to... To, the one thing these these guys have done is that they've gotten rid of the stereotypes of this guy is this position, this guy's that. They're sort of interchangeable, although Justin Houston's outside. But but you've got Jabal Sherrod, you, you've got Kamoko Ture, you've got Marcus Hunt, you've got Tyquan Lewis, you've still got Grover Stewart. So so you've got a lot of bodies. Uh, and, and Hassan Ridgeway, I think someone mentioned he played 62 snaps last year. So that you know he didn't figure in their plans, and they got another seventh round pick out of it. So at, at some point, there's only so much you can do. Well, they end up with ten picks. It was kind of interesting, though, all that Chris Ballard talks about where, where the, a draft and a team starts: offensive line, defensive line. The only defensive lineman was Green. Was he a sixth sixth round pick? Sixth I think it rounder, was. Yes. And the two offensive linemen are seventh round picks. So you know, like, oh, really? By the way. Hmm. So uh, I think they like the depth they have there, and they were just so much more concerned about attacking linebacker where linebacker room wasn't very good. When he got here in 17, the only two linebackers still on the roster are Anthony Walker and Jabal Sherrod, and Sherrod's gone to to end. So they needed that in the secondary. We talked secondary. They, They needed help at both positions. Were you guys surprised at all? I know we'll get more detailed into the players a little later, but how hard they attacked linebacker? As we didn't really highlight that as a area that we thought they'd go after heavily pre-draft as much. That catch you off guard at all? I don't know about off guard. Um, I thought that there was definitely room to grow in the linebacker position. Uh, you had Leonard and Walker as your two starters, and those are the guys that played almost all the time last year. I mean. 
Uh, Najee Good was a starter by default in the 4-3, but barely saw the field because uh, they weren't in their base 4-3 all that much. It's more of a nickel defense uh, that they were playing most of the time. So uh, I, I didn't see it as, a, as an area of ultimate need just because there wasn't there weren't that many opportunities it seemed to me to for playing time mike i don't know if you disagree or agree but i i don't think it, sh- it shocked me just because of the young nature of that group but like i said it's it's um i don't know how many opportunities those guys are going to have yeah and, and when we looked at the the pressing needs i had i would have had that down the list at four or five you know receiver which they which they addressed pass rusher which they really didn't i mean the, the pure pass rusher guy Defensive line, which they did a little bit with Green, in the secondary. So I would have had linebacker down four or five on my list. Uh, but but again, we'll see where this goes. But again, it just shows you that. And he even mentioned to us, he said how important that position is. And they tr- they're sort of using these guys as hybrids. Bonajou and and Okariki yep. are are strong side or middle middle guys with, with pass rush skills. So I want to see how these guys line up. EJ Speed is. Darius Leonard, yes, you know, two point zero. We'll see if he's anywhere close to what Leonard was. But so, so again, they've sort of thrown out the stereotypes of what a Mike is, what a Sam is. It's like these guys are going to be moved around, but it just shows you that they had to address corner, and we're going to see if Rocky Sin is, is a starting corner. I think he is soon, and uh, Kahari Willis. They like this kid, and he's sort of. Going to push the – I wouldn't say Clayton Gathers to start, but with the injury issues, he's going to get a chance to play. So let's discuss a pick-by-pick pick then a little bit. We'll start at the top and then work our way down. But if we start at the top, it starts with the Colts not making a pick. It starts with them trading down out of the first round into the second round and also gaining a second-round pick next year. And, Mike, for this year, it's – you just dropped 20 picks this year. So it, it's a long-term move, again, by Chris Ballard, which is – Maybe not exactly what some fans expected or had hoped for. They wanted that first-round pick. Montez Sweat was still available there, the defensive lineman out of Mississippi State. And then, in fact, the Redskins took him with that pick once they traded that pick. I, I can't sit here right now and make a determinative judgment one way or the other whether the Colts should pass on Montez Sweat or not. Here's what I know about him. He's a heck of a disruptive force. Here's what else I know about him. He has a medical issue. And the doctors that you have, you have to examine him. And if your doctors do not give him a passing grade, then there's no way you can take him with that pick. Because you have said, leading into this draft, if you miss with 26, that just sets you behind the eight ball going forward. But again, if you trade out of 26, then you don't even have the pick there. So you gain one this year, you gain one next year in the second round. I can't say I'm thrilled if I'm a Colts fan to move back 20 spots this year, but uh, at the same time, I guess you kind of have to compare what they have now with Ben Banigou, which is what that pick turned into, to whatever Montez Sweat does with the Washington Redskins. Well, if, you, if you're going to listen to your doctors, and if the doctors say, we, we, we advise not to take the guy, you don't take him. Right. Or, or, or what do you listen you to your doctors for? So, and what, what it told me is if, if who else was on the board? Wasn't Tillery on the board? Tillery was still Tillery, on the board, yes. And Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan Abrams, Abrams was still on the board. So what, and, and again, people say, well, I can't believe you didn't do this, that, and the other. Well, their board didn't say that. And to me, it was obvious that when they got to 26, remember Ballard told us he had a cluster of seven or eight players. Well, it told me that those players were gone. Because we asked him when they went back and got uh, Rakia Sen, 
that he implied that that kid wasn't on their their cluster. So you, you move back. If there's not value at 26, you move back. You, you just do. And you, you pick up a, another pick to go along with it. So, But like you mentioned, and it, it, it's so true, check back with us in, in two years and see if Montez Sweat's getting 12, 13 sacks a season. And if he is, you're going to say, I, I guess we were wrong. Yeah, and the other thing I heard about Sweat was Chris Mortensen reported, you know, the kind of the character issues. He says you can't yell at this guy. You have to coach him a specific way, and that just doesn't sound like a Colts guy. He was kicked off the Michigan State team um, before landing with Mississippi State. So I think this was more of the Colts feeling this wasn't their kind of guy in the locker room or medicals or both. So the first pick the Colts wind up with is round two, number 34 overall, the trade. They made last year with the Jets to move back, which yielded them Quentin Nelson, which gave the Jets Sam Darnold, is a cornerback Abdul Rahman, also known as Rock Yassin, out of Temple. Just played one year with the Owls, played the previous years at Presbyterian College. Down, 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 down level, Division Two. Made first-team all-conference with Temple in 2018 in his single year there. Um, the Immediately won the respect of his teammates and coaches by... Uh, receiving a single-digit at Temple, which at Temple, that's a big deal because the coaches give out single-digit numbers to the nine toughest players on the team. One, what if an offensive uh, tackle gets that? Can an offensive tackle wear a eight? That's a great question, Mike. That's a great question. <laughs> I should know that. Be, growing up in Philly, I should know that, but I do not know that. I've well, never they, seen one. One of their defensive tackles wore a single-digit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think college is a little more freer when it yeah. comes to numbers. <laughs> free and easy. Um, so... Is he a tough kid? Yes, absolutely. He's going to be one of the tougher guys coming in. Also, with uh, with this pick, uh, there were several other cornerbacks that were certainly we have talked about. We've talked about Byron Murphy, the kid out of Washington, that I really liked for the Colts scheme, being more of a zone guy, it seemed like, than a better man guy. And he was taken by the Arizona Cardinals. Was he at 33? Was he right before him? One pick before. Yeah. Um, and uh, Greedy Williams was a player that was mentioned. Uh, DeAndre Baker out of Georgia were all guys up there. But uh, Rocky Sin was the guy uh, for, for the Colts, uh, even though – his measurables aren't fantastic. I think the toughness is what stood out. And, uh, and Mike, this is the guy that ultimately Chris Ballard decided he liked. Jim Irsay told us they projected this guy as a starter. Now, how soon, we'll see. Because you're joining a group that's what, Pierre Desir, Quincy Wilson, and uh, Kenny Moore the third, mm-hmm. Nate Harrison, we'll see. And you have to find a spot. Chris Milton, you signed to the offseason, being right. a great special teams guy, too. So, yeah. Just but th- to throw this is a guy, I don't think he starts the season as a starter. But as often as they're in sub-package, I can see him playing a lot. And, and again, tough kid, a physical kid. Uh, and again, we can talk later about the character issue. I, I sometimes get tired of hearing horseshoe guys because I, 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 you, can overdo, you can overdo that. Totally. But, but still, th- this is a guy, again, you go, you go back and get a guy you think is going to be a starter, and you pick up another pick as well. So I think that was a good pick. Let, let me at least two-time state wrestling champion that's yeah you could if you're going to be a corner and use those skills you need to play more one on, press one-on-one one on one, man-to-man you and me i think that's nothing's going to prepare you better for press or corner than being a, two, a wrestling champion and that's something that really the colts didn't do quite as much and i think they're going to do a little bit more as playing more man because that's something that that they talked about that chris ballard talked about um after making uh some of the picks this year i forget which day he he made this 
uh, he, he said this, but talking about just giving defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus more ability to play more man because they played a lot more zone last year. They want to get into a little bit more man. So that at least gives you some idea why they might like Rocky Sin over a guy that, that I like, the, uh, the Byron Murphy kid out of Washington, who I thought was a better zone corner because I saw what they played last year, which was almost all zone. So you're getting a little bit more man, so you bring in Rocky Sin. And you, as you mentioned, a wrestling state champion, that'll certainly help uh, when he's playing at the line of scrimmage. So, so he's their guy at 34 overall. Um, certainly will grow into that role. In 2019, like you said, probably not a starter, at least right out of the bat or right out of the gates. Looks like the Colts have their guys there right now. I think he could really push Quincy Wilson. For I the think he could push position. for sure. I think he might beat him out. And we've talked about on this podcast in the past, Pierre Desir has not stayed healthy. So that is a wonderful insurance policy. If, you know, best case scenario, Quincy Wilson takes another step forward, wins the job. And, you know, Rocky Sink can kind of be your third guy um, on the outside for you. Well, and one thing from listening to Chris Ballard over the weekend, he really likes Quincy Wilson. He thinks his kids come along. I think he thinks the light's gone on. And we'll see because to this point we haven't seen start to finish that. But if this is a time where, you know, it's, it's sort of like with the Pacers and Miles Turner. He's such a young guy. Is this the year? Quincy Wilson came in. Was he twenty when he when the Colts drafted him? So this was a young kid. They they think they have a lot higher uh, opinion of him right now than the media does, and we'll see if that bears out. If not, uh, Rock will step up and really push him. Round two later, the Colts had the forty sixth overall pick. They traded down again to forty nine, three spots there, uh, and got Ben Banigou. And uh, they picked up a fifth-round pick in the process. I believe it was the fifth-round pick that they used on EJ Speed later, so we'll talk about him in a bit. But anyway, uh, round two, 49th overall, taking Ben Banigou, edge rusher out of TCU, 6'3", 250 pounds. Uh, big dude, athletic dude, reminded me a lot of Kamoko Ture, being a raw, athletic, talented guy. Uh, but uh, one thing that seems that the Colts will use him differently, at least initially, than Ture. Ture, they are leaving on the edge as an edge rusher. Banigou, Mike, they're going to put him in the linebacker core and make him uh, a strong side linebacker, it seems like, originally. Well, they, they mentioned Mike, which, again, with the way the Colts play, that's... Whatever. It, He's right. a linebacker, yeah. Right. So, so a linebacker with, with pass rush skills. That's why I say I, how they're going to do... People need to realize that in the Colts 4-3, I think you're in base defense... I don't know, 30% of the time? Right. Maybe. So so you're going to have, you know, you're going to see different formations and different personnel groups. And Chris Ballard joked that maybe they'll just play linebackers. 11 stand-up linebackers, yeah. If if you ever watch the way New England sometimes plays and even Kansas City with, you know, nobody's down. Everybody's up moving around. They just like what this kid brings. Uh, Another guy who transferred, uh, Louisiana Monroe for two years, and Mm -hmm. then he goes to TCU. And Ballard mentioned, and you get these little nuggets. He said he was talking, I think, to Gil Brandt. He's going into the Hall yeah, of Fame a long, yes. long time. Where he said he really likes players who transfer up. He said because they, they sort of have this chip on their shoulder. I know I can play. I'm going to prove I can play. And so with Banigou and with, with Rocky Sin, that's what you've got. And then again, this guy's, again, his size is a little funky, 6'4", 249. Going to play linebacker, and he and he's receptive. I think he's the one that told us, how do you see his playing? He said, four core special teams. 
he, he and Okery both are going to be going to be that. So they're just strengthening the roster top to bottom. The linebacker room is, is immeasurably better with these guys, with all three of these guys. And this guy, I just want to see how they use him. The Colts definitely win the all-name draft, by the way, Mike, before we go any further. You should have heard our Chris Hagan trying to pronounce some of these names, from Rock Yassin to Ben Banigou to Bobby Okariki. It, it, it was quite entertaining. All I need to do is know how to spell them, <laughs> yeah. which, which sometimes is, is difficult when your computer does auto-correct and it doesn't, it doesn't oh, recognize Banigou. Auto-correct correct can be the best thing in the world and the worst thing in the world all at the same time. But, yeah, I, I'm very eager to see what they do with Banigou and just, uh, just how talented or how useful he can be in the NFL. And and again, uh, in in defense, your goal is to disrupt the offense. Like the offense goes in with a plan, you try to get them off of their plan, and that's when. What's, what's your plan B? Yeah, get get them to to get off what they like to do. And if you have guys who are disruptive guys like Ben Banigou is, you put him at several different positions, and he can do that. So we'll see exactly where he lines up in Matt Eberflus's defense. I'm sure that they will find a role for him this year. And in save injury, as a second-round pick, he will certainly make the final 53-man roster. Further down in round two, round fifth, uh, number 59 overall, which was the actual Colts' second-round pick that they, uh, that they earned themselves, you take wide receiver Paris Campbell out of Ohio State. And this could be the most intriguing pick for most of Colts fans because he's the guy who's going to have his hands on the ball the most out of all of them. Six foot, 205 pounds, a 4-3-1 40-yard dash, which Urban Meyer has said this week, that's a legit 4-3-1. You cannot teach speed. No, you Can't cannot. And he's got it. He compared him to Percy Harvin. Urban Meyer did. And Urban Meyer's not the type of guy to flippantly throw out comparisons to some of his best players of all time. So Paris Campbell's going to come in and... I'd imagine he will see the field a lot. He will probably take some touches away from Naheem Hines and the role that he had a little bit last Chester year. Chester Rogers. Chester Rogers, for sure, he will take snaps away from. The Colts are going to use him in different positions. And I think if there's a knock on him, there's no, he's not maybe the outside receiver or he hasn't had that much experience to be a refined receiver. But at the same time, it's because. Ohio State used him in so many different ways that he's so versatile that he hasn't really fit into one specific mold yet. So the Colts are going to do a whole lot of things with this guy. I text Reggie Wayne about about this pick, and he said, you know, great speed, great hands, can take it to the house. He said he needs to refine his, his route running. Well, you can probably say that about most any wide receiver. Most any receiver. Anyone that's taken after the second half of the second round. Right. Absolutely. But again, I just want to see how they use this kid because – we talked last week, and I, and I still, even after seeing the draft, I believe it. You don't project any of these guys, in my mind, as an opening day starter. You, you, you just don't, which is a good thing. But if they go three wides, this kid's in the lineup. I think so, too, over now, Chester you know, Rogers. And we'll see whether they go two tight ends a lot, which I think they will. or mm-hmm. this. But to see Frank Reich's reaction, they gave, you know, they gave an eight-year-old more toys, is what hmm. they did. And I think that the... They they at Ohio State they kind of made him a slot receiver and he excelled at it. They see this kid as being all over the place, and, and you know m- m- carries out of the backfield, outside in the slot. And when you add him to T.Y. Hilton, Devin Funches in, in the tight ends, and Naheem Hines, I just think barring injury to any of these guys, this may be as deep a skill group they've had as back in the Manning days. Yeah, I mean. 
Paris Campbell is just an offensive weapon. You get the ball in his hands and look out. Um, you you kind of hope, at least on the field, he can be a Tyreek Kill or maybe one, year one he's more of gadget. You just find a way to get the ball in his hands in space and hope he can develop into more of a complete receiver to play on the outside. Um, you know, his route running's not entirely his fault. A lot of that's a system at Ohio State. They don't, you know, that's why Michael Thomas fell in the draft a few years back because they just don't have a very pro-style offense as far as the way that they utilize their receivers. So I'm really interested to see how far along he can get into his development. So three players there in the second round, Rakyasin, Ben Banigou, Paris Campbell. It's where Chris Ballard struck gold, really, last year in the second round. Hit on all of them. Yeah, yeah. Hit on all of them. Uh, So if you... If you expect the same thing, then uh, then kudos to you. Uh, Maybe they'll never draft in round one again. If you keep doing how you drafted last year in round two, then then by all means. Round three, at number 89 overall, the Colts select linebacker Bobby Okariki out of Stanford, 6'1", 235. Uh, a top 10 linebacker at the NFL Combine in both the 40, the 20-yard shuttle, and the broad jump. Um Chris Ballard, again, something that he said was, in, in spite of wanting character from your guys, and again, I, I don't want to go too deep into horseshoe guys because we can overstate that, but there needs to be baseline measurables for everyone that you bring in, and Okariki's another example of that with the athleticism that he has at the linebacker position. He's another guy, he said they're looking at Mike, which again, I just... Mike, 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 Mike. Just, How many mics do you have? <laughs> You can never have too many mics, but I just, I just again, I think we're going to be wrong to sort of project what these guys are going to be. They're going to put these guys on the field and see how they, where they fit and how they're more comfortable. But again, pass rush skills, great leader, uh, great tackler, good instincts, and it's funny when again without harping on the the uh, character issues, is a team captain if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and he what he. Uh, he interned for Condoleezza Rice. That that's nice on your res, your post football resume, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So again, I I just think this is this is a pick again. And they talked when Ballard said speed and athleticism. That's what we were trying to do, or speed and competitiveness. That's what we were looking for defensively, and and this certainly addresses that. I just want to. I'm not saying he's Darius Leonard, but he certainly fits the mold the Colts are looking for. Leonard combine measurables six foot two, two thirty four. 34 and 3 inch arms, those long arms. You saw how many balls he batted down. Bobby Okariki, 6'1", 239, 34 and a half inch arms. They're, he's the type that they're looking for. And so the Colts are going after their model again and again. I go back, I go back to, uh, and I always date myself, the Tony Dungy Colts and Bill Polian Colts, they drafted guys that just didn't fit elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Cato June was a college safety. He's a linebacker. He went to the Pro Bowl. Gary Brackett, you know, would there be stacked pickles at Indy if, if not <laughs> for the Colts giving him a chance to show what he can do? Uh, Dwight Freeney's smaller. Robert Mathis, smaller. So they what's what's really jumps out at you is, like Joe mentioned, these guys have got sort of measurables, and, and, and even Chris Ballard said the flavor. They know what they want. They know what this defense can do. And you're seeing it with with the measurables and the speed and, and the size of, of these draft picks. So now that you're bringing in all these measurables, all these uh, athletic guys, maybe guys that lack refinement, 
you're putting a lot on your coaching staff with this draft class, in my opinion. Agree, disagree? I agree, and that's that was one of the primary complaints of the previous staffs is go back and you hate to just keep beating guys down who are not no longer here, but give me some players from 2012 who got better. You know, I, th- there was a stat that I'll give credit. Stephen Holder mentioned it, that the draft from 2012 to 14, three drafts, four or five players are still in the league, mm-hmm. not elsewhere, but in the league. So go go back and look at high draft picks, or or anybody, and who got better? Of course, Luck did. I mean, that's let's take him out of there. But and Ty, I he, he's gotten better. But beyond that, who develops? They really believe this coaching staff. Go back and look at it again two years ago in this in this past year, those guys got better. Anthony Walker. I mean, oh he, yeah. He, I mean, tons better. Significantly. So, and people like that. The offensive line got better. We, we've seen all these guys and. I think that that's that that's what they they really are banking on is, is developing their own, and that means taking somewhat of a maybe a raw prospect or a hybrid prospect. Uh, we'll get to him shortly. The, the Marvell Tell, mm-hmm. they believe they can turn this guy into a corner. So that's putting a lot of faith in your coaching staff, and and thus far we've seen people getting better. We'll break away a little bit from that mold before we get to Marvell Tell in the fourth round at 107 overall. The Colts traded up. To get Kari Willis. And the second, Mike, when I hear that Chris Ballard traded up, that sets off shockwaves in my mind because you know what he says, I love them picks. And if he gives up one of his picks. I want him. So he wanted Kari Willis a whole lot. Safety from Michigan State. Uh, the cousin of former Colts Ring of Honor uh, wide Bill receiver Brooks. Bill Brooks. Uh, great team leader um, at Michigan State. Honorable mention, all Big Ten uh, in two seasons. Uh, biggest concern of his was his speed or athleticism. So kind of a break, like I said, in the pattern from the earlier guys. But but this is a guy that Chris Ballard really wanted on this Colts roster. It's funny. One of the side plots that we always have in the media is, is how personable a guy is. And this guy just jumped off. He, he jumped through the microphone or the, the phone at us, how, how quality he was. And we always talk about burying the lead. We talked to him for two or three minutes. And he said, "Well, he said, you know, the cult. It, the question was, how much of the cult showed an interest in you? Well, it's, it, you know, it quite a bit. It's like a family. My cousin played there for a long time. We're thinking, who's your cousin? Yeah, Willis. Willis is Will- there any Willis? What? Bill Brooks. So you know, that's one you want to kind of lead with. Hmm. But uh, uh, th- again, you're right. You're you're spot on. Chris Ballard is about moving back. If the guy's not there, moving up, it's somebody they really want. They were convinced." that they couldn't wait on him. So w- when they move up, it does tell you how badly they, they, they covered a player. And that puts a little bit of an onus on him, I, I think, when you go into camp this year. A lot of eyes are going to be on him because they need to be because of what Chris Ballard did to get him, giving up uh, a pick, giving up uh, some capital to, to move up and get him. Um, in terms of where he fits in at safety, you've got probably Gethers as the starting strong right now. And Wills has been described as a better box safety than he is more the which is center field safety. Right, which is exactly what Gethers is. So he will absolutely challenge Matthias Farley for playing time uh, right behind Gethers. And if Gethers, uh, God forbid, goes out again with another injury, then uh, Willis might see a little bit more playing time than you would expect. And we sort of anticipated this pick, maybe not. Kahari Willis. Right. But but we, we talked last week and we the did. last couple of weeks about you sign Gathers to a one-year deal. You sign uh, Matthias Farley to a one-year deal. You've got to address that position. And this is a guy that looking looking 
short term and long term that they think that addresses that position. Then you got Malik Hooker back there to, to grow with. I would imagine this is this is me projecting far in the future that next year on the Colts roster, Willis will certainly be here. One either gathers or Farley won't be because I think Willis will be the guy that you try to teach up and 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 move up to that position. Uh, uh, unless gathers really returns to where we all thought he could be. Prior to that's the injuries, no, no, yeah. it, but but it makes perfect sense, and and that's what in the evolution of the roster you always have to have you have to have that split view of now and and, mm-hmm. and future because if you don't, mm-hmm. you know the future comes up and, and you're just threadbare to position. Under round five, one hundred forty four overall defensive back Marvell Tell out of USC, and I say defensive back Mike because you alluded to it earlier. He played safety at USC. But uh, both he and uh, Chris Ballard told us uh, the Colts are going to try to make him a corner. And, well, good luck. That's going to be a, a tall task, I think. You're, you're going to have to put a lot of work into this kid. But uh, I, think he, I think he told us he played corner a little bit in high school. Yeah. And then, and then he moved to safety. He's 6'2 and 198 pounds with 33-inch arms. He's a big dude. That, you'd love a 6'2 corner. You'd love that. A guy who could reach his hand in and knock balls down. Fantastic. Can he learn it in time to, to make an impact this year? Well, let's just mention one name, T.J. Green. I, I, that's a name that a lot of fans would not rather have you mention. Well, the one good thing, when you try to compare the two size-wise, they're probably pretty close to the same. The difference is the Colts really tried to force Green into a corner position mid midstream. If I'm not mistaken, his second year it was like in training camp or yes. the OTAs, and it was like – what are you doing back there? He said, oh, they're trying to put me a corner, which even Chris Ballard mentioned that it was a mistake. I think Chris, if I remember correctly, Chris said it was his idea and it was a mistake. At least they're, they're, they're going from the jump to, to let this kid see if he can play corner. They just said that what they saw from scouting and the measurables and the instincts, they think this kid can be a corner. And I'd much rather take that gamble in the fifth round than the oh, second no, no round. no question. Oh, no, totally. Like TJ Green. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy's an elite athlete. Uh, six six three cone. For those unfamiliar with three cone times, that is elite change of direction ability. Well, don't don't, don't you don't you put more emphasis on like three cone than forty time for a lot of these guys? Oh for yeah. How often do you just run in a straight right. line in the NFL? Three right. cones more important more important for most positions than the forty time. Um, I mean, he was top three in three cone vertical jump, forty two inches, and uh, broad jump. So his athleticism really stands out. So they're trying to pretty much take a gifted athlete and teach him how to play corner. But they're doing it early. Yes. So so it'll be from the jump. Can he do it? And maybe you get to training camp and you just haven't seen it. And it's it's not that he that he won't do it. It's that he can't do it. I think that, that that's why at least give the kid a chance to succeed as opposed to with T.J. Green. Maybe T.J. Green never would have made it because we didn't see much before the position switch, but at least give this kid a chance to succeed as opposed to setting it up to fail. And let me say this also about Marvell Tell. I don't know if he makes the final 53-man roster. He's a fifth-round pick. If you cut him, somebody else might pick him up for theirs, but but my goodness. Um, last year, the Colts had 10 defensive backs. Was on, it six and four, I It think? was five and five, okay. leading into the season, at least. Okay. That might have changed throughout the year. But it was five and five, safeties and corners, if you have five corners again, you got Quincy Wilson, Pierre Desir, Kenny Moore, Rocky Asin will absolutely make that. Chris Melton, like I said, you signed him in the offseason to play 
in the uh, to play special teams rather because he's a great special teams player. That's five right there. Nate Harrison, Marvell Tell would be on the outside. Nate Harrison's on the outside. Jalen Collins, who you signed last year, a former second round pick, is on the outside. There's going to be incredible competition at cornerback for that fifth spot, or heck, if they decide to carry six right there and maybe carry one less somewhere else. I, the, the, the 10 or the 5 is not not set, but I'm, I'm just comparing it to last year and pointing out that the, the competition at the bottom of that, which is what you want, is going to be very intense. And that's why you just want to see, can Quincy Wilson keep it up? Yep. Can Nate Harrison come back? Show something. Right. Can he come back and rebound from disappearing after the Oakland game last year? And again, you're going to – maybe they keep six – even if they keep six, like you said, the, the names you're throwing out there, they're, they're guys with experience. Jalen Collins is the wild card because we just – he hasn't played since 16, 2016, I, I believe. I believe so. It's been a while. So, and you mentioned re-signing like Chris Melton, and he's a great special teams player. Re-signing guys on the offseason, the guys they did for the most part, there's no risk involved. If if you see he can't play at this level with, with these guys, you just cut him and move on. But that's like you said, that's – that's the good thing. It's it, we always talked and we talked to uh, Frank Reich about it over the weekend, where he said, "I look at this roster and I'm thinking this is going to be tough. The decisions. There have been times in the past, not too distant, where you make the cuts on the last roster cut day to 53. Before you know it, you're at 45 hmm. because you, well, we don't need and you you hate you can't quit at 53. They're going to have tough decisions." And like Chris Ballard says, you know your roster's in a good spot when you cut guys and other teams pick them up. We'll see if that's where this team is. And the thing that might help tell in that process is that he can play safety in a pinch if they need him to. So he might be their fifth corner and fourth or fifth safety going into the season. Yeah, I, I, I certainly will com- compare him to the, to the player. But, but from what you said, Marlon Jackson back in 06 or 07, whatever it was, Brought in to play safety, and he played corner, and he he gave you that flexibility. Uh, but again, with a young guy, are you going to let him be exposed also to safety, or are you going to really play corner? But you're right, in a pinch, that, that saves your roster spot. Moving down in round five at 164 overall, the Colts select linebacker E.J. Speed out of Tarleton State in Texas. One of the more intriguing picks Did you in know there draft. was a Tarleton State? I had no idea there was a Tarleton State. I didn't even know Tarleton was a state. <laughs> Six three, two hundred twenty-seven pounds. What city is it in? Uh, Tarleton. No, St- Stephenville. Steve. Oh, of course, Stephenville. How uh, could I forget? Google. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Google's Google's wonderful. A uh, a virtual unknown prospect, not graded on NFL.com. Um, had a little run-in with the law. Organized criminal activity charges were dismissed against him. From what I read, it sounded like a credit card scam. He refused to talk about it, as you would expect, in his phone or with the local media. Um, the Colts checked it out, and they took him. They took him. So, nevertheless, another linebacker, another raw athlete to add to the growing list, it seems, at that position. Another Darius Leonard wannabe they're going to put him at will and let him play and learn behind him. Was he 6'4", 230? Uh, an athlete, smaller college. He's You know, you could almost put Darius Leonard's name there for what he did, uh, although this is even quite a bit smaller back, or further back than, mm-hmm. than South Carolina State. But 
this is a guy that you that, that again he wasn't on their radar up until like six weeks before the draft, and they saw tape and then they sent a scout and all that. So this is one where again, like we talked, the rosters at the point where let's see what we got, let's take a shot and see if we can hit lightning um, twice in, in as many years. And again, he he's a, he's a disruptive player, eleven sacks, tackles for loss. He can play in space. We'll see if it translates to the NFL level. <sighs> there, there, there's, there's just a lot of potential, like I said, and not a lot of refinement right now at, at, in some of these picks. So, like, maybe, maybe more so than this one than any of them. Right. Exactly. This is kind of a microcosm of, in my opinion, of this draft is is the EJ Speed pick that the Colts are going going for that, and that's that's great. You're putting a lot of faith in your coaching staff to make these guys better. And and like we have said already here in this podcast, that that was not what the last coaching staff did well. It seemed like something the coaching staff did well just last year, this new staff. So now you try to keep the staff together to keep teaching these guys. And if you keep winning, that's going to be harder to keep this staff together. So you're putting a big onus on your coaching staff uh, with this draft. Moving on, round six, 199 overall. The Colts select Gary Green, G-E-R-R-I, not Jerry. Gary Green out of Mississippi State. Not exactly the edge rusher out of Mississippi State that we were projecting the Colts might take, uh, but nevertheless, here he is, 6'4", 252. Um, Rush linebacker, moved to defensive end in 2018. Uh, An athlete, uh, certainly wasn't quite as productive as the other Mississippi State defensive linemen that we've talked about that were more first-round picks, but... At round six overall, the Colts get an edge rusher to to add to the mix there on the defensive line. I'm, I'm wondering if he's going to be an edge rusher. Is he going to be more of a Jamal Sherrod backup? Mm-hmm. We'll see how this plays out. But this is where they sort of had to get a defensive lineman, an, 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 an edge type of guy. And again, 6'4", 255. Normally you think you want bigger at defensive end, but th- this defense is just – it's not – the one thing that strikes you now about this defense is, is how small it is up front, and, and will that impact them being strong against the run again? They were top ten against the run last year. Can they can they withhold that? But again, the, the, this guy again fits, you know, smaller, quicker, athletic. So it's can you have too many of those guys? We'll see. And I want to bring in again what uh, the Colts went into last year in terms of the fifty-three man roster. They had uh, eight nine players on the defensive line last year on their first 53-man roster. Um, and so if you have nine this year, you're going to have your first unit, which is Jabal Sheard, Marcus Hunt, excuse me, De- Danico Autry, and Justin Houston. You're going to have your second unit, which is going to be Grover Stewart and Taekwon Lewis on the inside, Kamoko Ture on one side, and a group of three players left to take two spots at least through draft picks and through players who are on the roster, leaving room, of course, for uh, for rookie free agents. But you have Jihad Ward, you have Al-Qadine Muhammad, and you have Gary Green there. So those three players are really competing for two spots, if uh, not, not including undrafted free agents, which certainly could work their way in there as well. So you're trying to compete for, for two spots out of those three guys. And maybe that's one reason, again, if there had been a defensive lineman at 26, they just loved they'd have taken him. But I think part of their rationale was, you know, they re-signed Marcus Hunt, who I think it was a two-year deal, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. 
but but uh, so that's not really long term at all. But you got Danico Autry, who's still relatively young, it was a three year deal he signed last year, I believe. Tyquan Lewis, who you just have barely scratched the surface. I on, really liked when right? he played last year. And Kamik Kamoko Ture, who you hope takes that next step. So they've got some young people in the pipeline, and I certainly wouldn't put Justin Houston in there at all. But he's hmm. that, he's that you hope to be that short term jolt. I think they like that group, and maybe next year you look for that young defensive lineman. If he's there, wherever you draft, late again, you hope. And that's another thing you're trying to do. You're trying to throw some of these young defensive linemen some more snaps and see how they develop more. You were happy with Kamoko Ture's development last year after he got fully healthy, so give him another year. Don't fully don't bring in somebody to really take those snaps take away snaps from him. Yeah. yeah, so you're trying to do that for him, do that for Taekwon Lewis, Ward and Muhammad, same thing. You were okay. like You were pleased with what they did on the field, so let's see what they can do this year. So that's that, that's where they are there on the defensive line. On the offensive line, two picks in round seven. Uh, first offensive tackle, Jackson Barton out of Utah. Certainly has NFL tackle size. He's 6'7", big dude, 310 pounds. And then later they traded back into the seventh round, like I mentioned earlier, trading away Hassan Ridgeway to come in and get an interior offensive lineman, Javon Patterson out of Ole Miss. Um, played center, played guard, all three interior offensive line positions. So, uh, like you mentioned, Mike, earlier, if it, offensive line, defensive line, Chris Bowers says they're two most important positions on the field. It, he waited until the end of the draft to address them this year. They almost went through the long streak of was it an offensive lineman every year since 2002, I think it was. Quite a while. And to, to say these guys have a chance, it, 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 it's, it's a long shot probably. Because of course, what the uh, Raven Clark was a seventh round pick, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, so they've hit some guys late, but this was the case. Again. Denzel Good was a seventh round okay. pick. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. okay. That's, yeah, that, that, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, but but again, I just I just think they they liked the group they have. We can look at it real quick. You've got Costanzo, Nelson, Kelly, Klawinski, and Smith, yep. and, then, and then backup wise, Joe Haig, which I can't wait to see where he is this year. <laughs> I'm guessing guard, but we don't know. I would guess the same. Evan Bame, who's who's your backup center? Raven Clark, mm-hmm. in my mind, is your backup swing tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamarcus Webb. Yep, who you who, signed who, in the offseason. Well, he's remember he started the season opener, and right. then he had a hamstring, I believe. It I was. believe it's a hamstring. So, so they've they've got good depth. If you talk eight players, they 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 want to have like ten to where they can really. Pick from yeah, so that was nine that you mentioned, I think. And then if your tenth is either Patterson, if you want one more on the inside, or Barton, if you want one more on the outside, really. Right, and one of them will be you know maybe you put practice squad. You always have yes. you you always have a developmental guy or two. So it's I just again you, you look at where they are, and I tell you, let's let's go with this. One thing that the draft told me in in my mind, maybe I'm jumping at it. It tells me that they see Anthony Costanzo. As their left tackle, that's likely in my I, opinion. I just, again. Not, not not this year, of course, but m- moving forward. I asked uh, Chris Ballard that on maybe it was a pre-draft meeting. I said, "Do you see Costanzo being your your starting left tackle in two years?" You know, he's heading into his last year, and he he just didn't commit. He said, "Oh, we you know we we you know we love AC. You know he knows that, but it's year to year." Well, to me, when you don't draft a possible developmental left starting left tackle it just tells me that in your mind barring injury or him falling off the table talent wise performance wise 
they're going to recommit to Costanzo at some point. And maybe there was a guy they thought if they had fallen to them in the first round, like Andre Dill, or the guy the Eagles took several picks before, hey, maybe they would have gone out and gotten him. And that's why Chris Bowd was a little bit more hemming and hawing about saying, hey, Anthony Costanzo is our guy. Again, that's just me throwing out a possibility there. That's not reporting or anything. That's just well, what he's going through his head. It's funny. Fans are always, and sometimes the media as well, you want to get rid of a guy for whatever reason. Which I, I think you you don't want to get rid of Anthony Costanzo. Well, but you man. better know what you're going to replace him with first. Yeah, completely. So, but again, I, he's in a position that you either love him or you hate him. I still go back to Tariq Glenn. People just went off the charts with his one false start a game. But I'll take that every day when when Peyton Manning never got hit from the backside. Mm-hmm. Tariq Glenn was as good a a good a non all pro left tackle as you're going to get. Never got his his. Do and I'm thinking Costanzo sort of. He, I don't put him in the in the in the category of Tariq Glenn, but he's close. And you've you've said again also that Bill Polian was it Bill Polian who said that Tariq Glenn was just so fast that sometimes the right. uh, the that was Howard Mudd. Yeah, Howard Mudd said that the he said okay. the officials didn't they they thought he was offside but he was on snap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. what would you guys say. Costanzo is top 15 left tackle in the league. Easily top, top 15. 10. I would say he's top, top 10. He's yeah. top 10. Yeah. How is it so that's the to top find third. another one of those guys? It's difficult to find it, one of those exactly. guys. So, maybe not as difficult as to find a franchise quarterback, but it's no. difficult to find a top third people, offensive left people, tackle. When people say, get rid of this guy, this guy, okay, fine, but replace him with who? who, who who's your plan B? And it's just, there's three positions, quarterback, pass rush, left tackle. If you're If, if you're set there, you're in great shape. If you're not, if you're if any of those positions are deficient, it just creates problems. So we're done with the draft. That takes us to undrafted free agents. The Colts will certainly bring in mm, about 11 undrafted free agents that they signed and plenty of tryout guys to fill out rookie minicamp. Um, I'm only going to mention one of them here, and that's wide receiver Penny Hart, who the Colts actually hosted for, on a top 30 visit. Uh, wide receiver out of Georgia State, uh, 5'8", 180 pounds. Speed guy, quickness guy. He did punt, kick, return. Um, but uh, we, we've talked, Mike, that there's been about 20 years in a row now. 20 straight years. 20 straight years an undrafted free agent has made the Colts' final roster. We saw it last year with uh, with George Odom. Uh, I don't know if there was anybody else. but I know well, there were like three. There were a couple. Yeah, Sky, yeah, there were a Sky Moore. Sky Moore, Moore yeah, made that's it. right. There might have been another, but I, I remember those from last year. This year, if you look up and down the roster, it's going to be very difficult for an undrafted guy to make it, including Penny Hart, even if the Colts love him on a top 30 visit. I mean, look at their wide receivers for one. If like They went into last year with five wide receivers on their final 53-man roster. You've got T.Y. Hilton, lock. You've got Devin Funches, lock. You've got Paris Campbell, lock. Then the last two are, I would say, Chester Rogers is pretty darn close to a lock. And if you want Deion Kane on that roster, Zach Paschal, I, I would keep on going Steve down Ishmael. that list. But I will. Yeah, Steve Ishmael, there you go, my boy. Yeah, Doris Fountain. Doris Fountain, Marcus Johnson. For crying out loud, that wide receiver, though for that competition, Krishan Hogan is going to be is going to be one of the best competitions in camp. And again, that's a good thing. And it's gonna take a an undrafted guy really coming in and setting himself apart. And you want we say it's gonna be hard and it will be, but it's again twenty years says it's going to happen. Yeah. And the one thing that it's not lip service when Ballard says that it doesn't matter where you're drafted, where you come from, if, if you merit that position, they're going to give it to you. Now, whether – and we've seen that. With, with, remember Zach Banner, was he a fourth-round fourth pick? Fourth-round pick. And they got rid of him. Yep. So I, I just – I think that's one reason that, that free agents, undrafted kids, come to Indy because they know – 
that they're not just blowing smoke. That if they come in and, and they earn a spot, they're they're going to have that spot. You know, again, I go back to through the years, and it's just not th- this group. It's remember the Gary Brackets and Terrence Wilkins and Melvin Bullitt and Tom Rhodes. So there's there's we, I say that one guy may not make it this year, but in all likelihood, one guy will because because they do. Boy, receiver would be hard to see a guy doing that. And there's with, always injuries, too, that can really throw a monkey wrench into things and allow that type of... Uh, well, it, it, with injury, maybe Deion King's not ready yet. Yeah. Maybe he starts the season on Pup. But with with that depth, if I, I'm trying to think where maybe a position would be more, more receptive to an undrafted guy making it tight end. Yeah, I was going to say tight end because you got Doyle and Ebron are locked in. They Mo- went into last year with four tight ends. Moali Cox. Ross Travis. I mean, you could see an undrafted Correct. guy beating out one of those two. But corner, wide receiver, uh, safety, I, uh, d- defensive line. Uh, defensive line, who, who do they take the place oh, of? Grover Stewart. Oh, so uh, it, it's – but, again, we'll see, and they're, they're going to have their, their rookie minicamp. This weekend, they'll have these undrafted guys there, and then they're going to have, goodness, 20, 25 tryout guys because you need X number of guys to practice. And it's going to be – again, it's, it's always fun to see guys who who are way under the radar. These are undrafted. You know, they're not one of the top 254. Somebody will probably be there at the end. NFL draft record attendance in Nashville, more than 600,000 people during the three days of the draft. Jim Ursay would love to see it come to Indy. That would mean a whole lot more work for us. <laughs> but, you know, and I think it's if, if the league does wants to do it the right way, I think it, it works. Don't take it to Chicago or Philly or New York, which where it was. Take it to those, I hate to say secondary markets, because then you're, you're distant those markets. But Nashville, we saw. Anyone who's been down was that Broad Street or Main Street? I can't remember the name of the street. No, Broad Street's Philly. What? What's what the no, heck? Is it? Broadway. Street. It's Broadway. Okay, That's Broadway. Right. It's Broadway. But it was, it's amazing. And, and but what Indy could do to transform downtown, you know, the Pan Am Plaza, Georgia Street areas would would be incredible. You'd probably get decent weather. I mean, it's it's the end of April, so I think it'd be pretty cool. And he wants it. He mentioned, of course, then he was also he was lobbying for more hotel space down downtown. Mm-hmm. So and this would have been an awful weekend because it was uh, NRA, NRA, NRA was in well, town, yeah. and that's probably the biggest convention that Indy draws. But anyone, we're sort of preaching to the choir, but anyone familiar with Indy knows how they do big parties. They mm-hmm. just, whether it's college, a Final Four, uh, it, it, they do top-notch. The Super Bowl, again, was second to none as far as how it was played out it helped to have really good weather in february mm-hmm. but i hope i think at one one day they will get it if they put forth the effort to do it i just remember uh coach mike krzyzewski out of duke when the last time the final four was here just singing the praises of indy saying they do it better than everyone it should be in indy every year and part of that might have to do with indiana basketball legacy but and part of it might also have to do with coach k seems to win the national title every time it's here in <laughs> indy so but nevertheless yeah he 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 would know better than anybody uh in terms of hosting a basketball tournament and Indy does does far far beyond that as well for football events or what have you. So um, that that's really about about it for the draft right now. Um, there is one more uh, piece of news worth noting, and that is that the Colts have signed former Kansas City running back Spencer Ware. That was on Tuesday, one year, one million ish dollar deal worth up to two million incentives. Depends on how um, how much he plays, what he can do. And we've talked about running back again. 
thought that maybe the Colts could draft a running back because they hosted Josh Jacobs um, out of Alabama, the first running back to go in this draft. They had hosted several different uh, veterans over the past couple weeks. They eventually settled, settled on Spencer Ware to bring him into the backfield. And I think we talked last week is this is what I thought they would do. I, I just they, they like the group they've got with, with Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins and Jonathan Williams to a lesser degree. If they were going to add a running back, it was going to be a second running back, a number two guy, which I don't consider Naheem Hines a number two running back. I considered him he, – he's that hybrid where he does everything. Right. But if Marlon Mack goes down for three games, who's your running back? You need better than Jordan Wilkins, with all due respect. And whether that was going to be Jay Ajayi or Spencer Ware, they both had have starter experience. Now, Spencer Ware has had health issues, hasn't played 16 games, I don't believe, in his career. But that's not what you want. Right. You know, you hope that's not what you want. Yeah. If Mar- if Correct. Matt if Matt goes down game two games, or he needs a, a quarter or you know quarter and a half of, of break or whatever, this guy steps in and you shouldn't miss a beat. He's a different player. He's a, he's more of a thumper. So this is what I thought they would do in in my pecking order. It's Mac Ware and Hines. Hines again is that movable part. And if if Ware stays healthy is what they think he is. This is a pretty good group. I, I think that you bring up his his injury concerns. He missed the entire 2017 season with a torn PCL and damaged LCL. So that was two years ago. Maybe last year, working back from that, wasn't quite 100% yet. So maybe a little bit of room to improve from you know, his performance last year. And you saw what he could do. I mean, he started 14 games back in 2016. So he had the durability to start at least 14 games. That's not bad. More than 1,000 rushing yards and 500 receiving yards that year over his last 16 starts total. So uh, he, he's a guy that can produce when called upon. And that's, like you said, that's kind of what the Colts were going for. Somebody who can produce if they are called upon, if, God forbid, something were to happen to Marlon Mack in that main spot. Well, and Chris Ballard knows him. I mean, it's, you, you, just sort of, you sort of expect that whoever they sign off the market, either earlier or now, this is a guy that at some level Chris Ballard knows him, or Frank Reich knows him. Remember with Ajayi from Philadelphia, you know, Frank knew him. So these guys know these guys. They know what they bring. They know their pluses and minuses. This is not a, a surprise at all. And real quick, I'm sure this will evolve as training camp goes along and we get more information, but do you see him regularly taking carries away from Mac, or is he still going to get close to 20 a game? I think he might see a little bit more in short yardage because he's a bigger dude. So if he, you can bring him in there and he can prove that he can get that third and one, you'll bring him in those situations. If, if Marlon Mack stays healthy, he's got to get 18 to 20 carries a game. He just does. Yeah. Because he's a guy that I'm not comparing him to the, the elite running backs, but the really good ones, they get two, three, minus one, six, 15, 18, and they break one. He, he broke longer than that. So he's got, you've got to have a guy like Mack get his touches. But again, I, I agree, short yardage. I, I'm Maybe the, the Robert Turbin Role of a couple of years ago, and again, it's. I just think they wanted better than Jordan Wilkins, and this is probably better than Jordan Wilkins. And and if he if Wilkins is your fourth guy, then then you're in really good shape. Download and subscribe to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Uh, probably exactly where you got this one, wherever that might be: iTunes, uh, Google Play, uh, Spotify, any of those choices. At the Colts Blue Zone podcast on Twitter. Uh, we have a little special treat for you now. All the um, all the Colts draft picks, though they are not in Indy, well, they will be in Indy very shortly, uh, 
we get a little phone call with them with the media when they are drafted. So um, we recorded all those interviews and uh, we're going to bring them to you now. We're going to start at the top of the draft, round two, with Rocky Sin and go straight down the lineup. Here are those uh, phone interviews with the Colts draft picks. Hey, Rock, congratulations. Thank you so much. Was this out of nowhere? Was this expected? What was your interactions like with the Colts the last couple months? Um, it, I, it was kind of out of nowhere. I feel like I interacted with them well. I mean, everything went well, but I didn't expect them to draft. I didn't know. I didn't know at all. Just a couple years ago, you are in the FCS, and now you're an early second-round pick. What's this process been like for you? It's been, it's been amazing. It's been a blessing. I, mean, I feel like I've, I've learned a lot. I've gotten a lot better. I've grown a lot. It's just been a blessing. How'd you end up, how'd you end up at the FCS level in the first place? Uh, I, thought I, played, I only played football in high school for two years, so I was slightly under-recruited, I feel like. So that, that was probably the biggest reason. Why'd you only play football for two years? Um, my first time playing sports was in eighth grade. It was wrestling, and I was a wrestler uh, throughout high school up until eleventh grade. Then I gave football a try, and it worked out well for me. Thank were you, God. Were you a corner from the start, or did you play a couple other positions? I played safety um, in my my junior year. Then I played corner my senior year. You said this is a surprise. Had you had what was your level of interaction with the Colts leading up to the draft? Um, I, I had meetings with them at the combine. Um, uh, I, I talked to them after the combine. They called, made sure I had the same number and everything. Um, but it was just about the same as, as, as my interaction with every other team. You didn't make a pre-draft visit here. No, sir, I did not. Rock, for those that haven't seen you play, how would you describe your game? Uh, physical, competitive, tough, uh, technical. There's a guy who can come out and compete and, and try to get the job done. Did you play mostly man or zone at Temple? We we we, play, we we ran a man number one scheme mostly man to man for one and then a, a bit of a bit of zone. This this scheme here uh, is heavy heavy zone and uh, they ask the the corners to make a lot of tackles, be tough and that kind of thing. It seems like that fits with uh, your strengths. Would you agree? And, and can you maybe elaborate at all? Yes, sir. I feel like um, playing in a scheme where they ask the corners to tackle. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I tackle well and it's something I'm not afraid to do. Something I like doing. When you decided to go, when you decided to play at Temple, did, did you think the NFL was a possibility? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And how did, how did you know that it was a possibility? I just believed in myself. Um, I felt like um, I, was, I had the talent, I had to work at it, you know. I had great coaches around me that were pushing me, so I felt like I, I would have every opportunity. Kind of curious, you're a two-time state wrestling champion, correct? Yes, sir. What weight were you at? I, I won state at 145 and 152. What are your emotions like tonight? Were you obviously probably hoping you got your name called last night? Was that a disappointment? Um, or do you know much about Indianapolis? Do you know much about the Colts? I do. Uh, I love Indianapolis. It's a great city. They have a great – I have. A, I feel like it's a great organization. The culture there of the players, the young players that, that, that play hard, you know, competitive, you know, guys that, that like – like I feel like they're going to win a Super Bowl. We're going to win a Super Bowl in the next – few years so I mean I feel like I'm coming to a great a great uh, situation when you uh, when you started playing football did you keep wrestling at that point as well after after that point or did you yes sir okay yes so you, sir so you wrestled all the way through uh, senior year yes sir okay. you, you Rock, think, do you think wrestling helps your football the football side of things yes sir in what ways uh, just the competitiveness uh, the, the 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 way in wrestling, we, we it's one it's a one on one sport, it's a team sport, but it's a lot of one on one matchups. Same thing in football, it's a team sport, but a lot of times you're asked to be one on one with a guy, you have to beat that guy, and just not being afraid to be one on one because you, you wrestled 150 matches in high school, 
versus one-on-one versus another opponent, so you're not afraid to stand in front of a guy and play man-to-man. I sit in the zone and go one-on-one and tackle the running back. You mentioned uh, that when you uh, transferred to Temple, you thought you had a chance to play in the league. Uh, but, I mean, is it fair to say, did you think you had a long way to get there? Did you a lot of work to do before getting there? I mean, at that point, you're, you're pretty far away, wouldn't you say? Yes, sir. Uh, I feel like, um, I mean, coming from Presbyterian, like, like I talked to my coach, Presbyterian, uh, Coach Tommy Spangler, Presbyterian, we talked about, you know, the ceiling for a guy coming from FCS and, and, and the conference at the Big South. It was the best you could do, the best you could do is uh, be a seven-round pick or go undrafted as a free agent. So, I mean, I knew the, the, it was going to be an uphill battle, but I felt like I was up to the challenge. Rock, why'd you pick Temple for a graduate transfer? Uh, my coach just picked up a for me. That was that was uh, they had connections there. They, they told me I would have opportunity to come in and and, and play and, and 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 compete and come to a good, great culture. So I trusted my coach's opinion. Where are you at right now? Are you with family? I'm at, yes, sir. Where at? At my mom's house. Georgia. <laughs> yes, sir. Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, sir. That Buffalo game last year, you were making plays all over the field. How, how big of a part of your game is forcing takeaways? A uh, great part of my game. I feel like um, I've coached that, you know, the, the, the ball in the DB's hand is a great sight. So anytime you, you can get an interception or pick up a fumble and return it or, or turnovers, that's just a great, great opportunity for a team. Rock, as a corner, are there any parts of your game that you develop via wrestling? I know that might sound like a weird question, like hand fighting or anything like that. Yes, sir, the, the, the hand fighting and then the, uh, the tackling. I feel like, you know, a takedown is a tackle, basically. Congrats, Rock. Thanks, Rock. Thank you. Sir, thank you so much. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Sir, thank you. Okay. Hey, Ben, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Not bad. Great, Congratu- actually. Congratulations. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> oh, thank you, Graham. Uh, Thank you. So, uh, what's the discussion been like so far? You, you did a lot of edge at TCU. Um, what what have the discussions been like as far as linebacker goes? Well, as far as line, linebacker goes, um, you know, the coaches like we had meetings and everything through through the senior bowl process and the combine and pro day, and you know they've been talking about playing everywhere in the front seven from linebacker to rushing and pass downs and. Just trying to maximize my my athleticism. Would you, would you be playing? And, you know, sorry. Well, yep. Would you be playing like a Sam, like a strong side linebacker? Yeah, um, they were saying playing right next to Leonard and um, doing a little bit of that, and then also getting around the edge and the pass rushing and doing the stuff that I've been doing and what I'm comfortable doing. But they also see that I can do a lot within the front seven. So they were saying that. You know, wherever they, they 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 put me, they feel like I can excel at. And you know, they were lo- looking at me as a guy that's a jack of all trades that can do just about anything. So, so, so um, next, that's the kind of vibe I got from it. Next to Leonard, is that Mike they were mentioning? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this was not a huge stunner for you that the Colts gave you a call tonight. Well, I mean, like I knew they were conversation and everything, but um, to be drafted, you know in the second round at 49 to an organization like that, you know, um, just getting the call, I was, I, I mean, I was ecstatic. I was pumped. I was ready to go. Um, I know that all the great stuff that, that, that happened in India, I was just, I was just so excited to be a part of it. So, um, but the call was awesome and hearing my name call was awesome, but now it's starting to settle in and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited about being a Colt. 
Ben, do you have much history at linebacker? Have you played there before? Um, I played a little bit in uh, high school. Um, but most of my linebacker stuff that I could showcase NFL teams was at the Senior Bowl. And um, obviously the, the Colts liked what they saw. And um, they, they obviously knew, knew, knew I could pass rush. But um, just showing my versatility was something that I think really intrigued them. And um, I'm just happy that, you know, um, it was good enough for them to pull the trigger on me. So at TCU, were you mostly a 4-3 end? Yeah, yeah. So what, what, did that involve at all uh, ever uh, doing any pass coverage, or and is that something you might have to do here? Um, honestly, you know, I, uh, like drawing stuff up on the board and kind of taking me through some, like, pass rush stuff and through some coverage stuff, they kind of touched on all things. So for me, I'm just ready to do just about anything. And, um, you know, with the coaching staff and with my football IQ, I feel like I, I, I can pick it up pretty fast and be effective. Did you expect a call in the second round, or was it, I mean, some of the mocks were all over the place mm -hmm. as late as four or five. What were your sort of anticipations like tonight? Uh, for me, you know, I was just looking at the teams and what teams needed and, you know, um, talking to the guys that are close to me and um, trusting their information. You know, I, I saw the Indy traded back, and, you know, they had a couple picks within the second round, and, um with the, with the conversation that I had with the, with the staff, you know, I was just, um, I was hoping that I would get a call. Once I got the call, uh, man, it was crazy. So, um, you know, for me, I guess, like, I, like I'm i just, you know, like I knew I was going to get the call at some point. I, I don't know what team. Um, my hope was Indy because the conversations that we had and, you know, it just so happened that they called. And um, I was just excited about it, man. I was just pumped. Ben, did you make a pre-draft visit here? Um, no, I didn't make a pre-draft visit, but they came on. Uh, they they came to TCU on numerous occasions, from meeting with me, um, and then and and then at the pro day and before the pro day, and um, talked to them at the combine too. So you know, um, I've 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 been meeting with them and you know, kind of conversating with them, and uh, at the Senior Bowl too, I also met with them. So it's been some good um, like conversation throughout. So. I mean, it wasn't like one of those things where I was surprised, but, um, you know, it was, it was just exciting, man. Uh, this, you've talked to the Colts enough that it seems like you might have got some sense of, of what mm -hmm. their scheme uh, emphasizes. And one of the things is obviously speed, athleticism. Uh, did you, you – know, was that one of the, the links that you saw? I mean, do you see yourself a fit in that regard? Is this a good spot for you? Oh, oh, oh yeah, I felt like that was a great spot for me. I felt like what they – were at, what 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 they were telling me, and um, what they thought that I could do, it kind of fit the same kind of thought process that I had about myself. So, for me, once you know I got through with meeting with them and, and going up on the board and talking through film, man, I was just excited to you know um, have the opportunity to you know um, to play with the uh, team and with the organization and everything. In a in a perfect world, where do you want to line up? Well, you know, um, and you can't say wherever the coaches tell you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, wherever the coaches tell tell me, I have no choice. But <laughs> so we can't say that. For me, um, you know, I love to get after the passer. I love, um, you know, getting sacks and setting the edge and rushing it. Um, you know, that's an awesome part of the game. That's what I've played. But um, doing some of the linebacker stuff at the Senior Bowl really opened my eyes to all the neat ways that you can kind of create plays and 
um, turnovers for your team. And um, I'm just really excited to, you know, show them what I can do within the front seven. And um, I'm, I'm confident in myself, and I, I'm just glad that they're conf confident in me to give me the opportunity to, to go out and showcase that. So you, saw, you talked about exciting th three or four times. The, the you know, playing alongside or in a defense that's growing and playing alongside Darius Leonard, that's pretty exciting as well? Oh, yeah, that's that's so exciting. Um, you know, that's a guy that, that I watched this, this past year that made a name for himself coming from a small school. And, um, you know, he, he, he did a thing out there. So for me, it's, you know, an, an opportunity to you know, watch him, see, see how he does things, learn from him and, and the rest of the guys, and just try and help the team win. Were, uh, were the other teams that you were talking to, uh, were those conversations primary, primarily also about linebacker or, or were some of them about um, playing? It was more like three or four defensive end rushing okay. and, uh, and linebacker two was a good mix. Okay. So, so from your talks with the Colts, Ben, you expect probably the first crack to be at linebacker here in Indy. Um, well, honestly, um, I'm not really quite sure. You know, um, that's up for them to the pick. To, to, uh, pick and um, where they see me fitting best is where I'll be. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they had me down rushing and being a defensive end and, and then um, also doing a little bit of coverage as well. Congrats, right. Ben. Thank, Thank you, you Ben. Thank you. Thank you so much. Congratulations, Paris. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Is Terry jealous of you yet? Say that again? Is Terry jealous of you yet? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Is Terry McLaurin jealous of you yet? Uh, <laughs> I haven't even talked to him yet. <laughs> Paris, were you surprised that Indianapolis made the call for you? What was your uh, interaction with them like during the draft process? Um, I honestly was not uh, surprised. Uh, I was talking to them. I had, uh, you know, meetings with them at the Combine, talked to them, you know, throughout the rest of the process. Um, and just going back and forth with my agent, you know, I was kind of hearing that, you know, it would be the coach that would pull the trigger. So I wasn't really surprised. What do you think of the, the fit for you uh, in this offense based on what you know about it? I'm sure you've, you know, they've shown you or talked to you about some of the things they do. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I see a wonderful fit. Just being able to, um, you know, just come in and, and impact his offense. Um, I think immediately, you know, with a guy like Andrew Luck, you know, who saw the ball all around the field, you know, he's one of the greats in the NFL. Um, I think, you know, it couldn't be a more perfect fit. Great. Being in Columbus nearby, I'm sure you have thoughts on the Colts. What did you think of Frank Reich um, and what the team did last year? Oh, I think it was great. You know, I think they're uh, definitely in the right direction. Um, you know, I, I'm excited, man. You know, I, I really lost the words right now, so... Um, I'm just ready to get to work. Frank Reich loves to, pe to move people around the formation, use guys in a lot of different ways. Is that something you're kind of used to from Ohio State? Oh, yes, for sure. You know, I play, you know, multiple, multiple positions at Ohio State. Uh, you know, I found my home, you know, at our H-back slot receiver. Um, but I was able to, you know, go outside, inside, you know, even take handoffs in the backfield. So it's definitely something I'm used to. What was your, when you, your initial reaction when you found out, when you thought, okay, I'm about to be playing with Andrew Luck, T.Y. Hilton, Eric Ebron, and this offense <laughs> that they have? Uh, you know, honestly, uh, it's it just a blessing from God, man. And, and you know, my, my initial, initial, you know, reaction was just uh, just a perfect fit. You know, it's, 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 it was already written from the jump. You know, this isn't a surprise to anyone. It was already written. So, um, you know, I'm just excited. <laughs> what, were, what were those kind of conversations like uh, with the offensive coaches when you did talk to them? Uh, what were kind of the substance of those conversations? Uh, 
just that, you know, well, when I got drafted or, or no, before? No, no, before, during, throughout the process, combine oh, yeah, or yeah. wherever, yeah. Yeah, so, um, they obviously, you know, like what I brought to the table uh, was being, you know, having the speed and just doing the things that I did at Ohio State. Um, and honestly, just being the perfect fit, you know, with all the stuff, you know, the intermediate stuff that they do and just um, kind of just coming around and my, my, my ability just being a perfect match for, match for their offense. So, um, just throughout the process, and we're just kind of speaking that it would be a, a great fit. You said you made you've had a lot of contact with them uh, through the process. Did you make a pre-draft visit here? I did not, uh, but I did. You know, a FaceTime call actually. You know, right before the deadline of the visit ended. You said a FaceTime call. Yes, sir. Okay. Harris, did you initially go to Ohio State to run track and play football, or just run track? Uh, actually, that was an idea at first. I wasn't. Anything, nothing was said, uh, but it was an initial an, an idea at first. To to do both. Yeah, to do both. Yeah. But you elected just to do football. Yeah, you know, it was just coming in. You know, I was making a transition from running back to receiver, so it was just you know a lot of my play at the time, especially with you know school as well. So I um, just decided you know to stay the football route. <laughs> This offense um, could have a lot of diversity in uh, in the, the offensive targets, you know, for Andrew Luck. Uh, mm -hmm. Big tight ends, you know, T.Y.'s a fast guy. Obviously, Devin Funches, a big guy. Uh, how do you think that all works together in, in, in terms of being an advantage for an offense? Um, I think it's given us multiple weapons. Uh, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's going to make defenses think a lot. Uh, they're going to have to prepare uh, in the right way when they face us because, you know, we have so many weapons. So, uh, I think it's going to be definitely to our advantage, um, just having so many different types of uh, options for us. And I think, you know, in the end, it's going to, it's going to make us better. Where are you watching the draft? I'm actually uh, in Columbus, Ohio. I've uh, got it written in the Airbnb out, so, you know, all my family can come hang out. <laughs> we saw uh, Malik Hooker gave you a shout-out on Twitter. Do you already have a relationship with guys like him and Taekwon Lewis in this locker room? Oh, yeah. Uh, so me and Malik, we're, we're in the same class, you know, coming into college. Um, and then Taekwon was already there. He was a year ahead of me. Um, but I really have a, a really great relationship with those guys. And um, it just makes me you know, that much more comfortable uh, going to Indianapolis, having those guys there for me. You've had a pretty good few months at Lucas Oil Stadium here recently, haven't you? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, we, we like to call that our second home coming from all state. <laughs> <laughs> That's point. That's true. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. Hey, Bobby, you're uh, coming to a team with a pretty loaded linebacker group. Have they told you at all uh, what they expect your role to be? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously come in as a guy uh, who can play on all four special teams uh, and then just be a fast athletic guy that uh, can compete for points on and uh, just play wherever I'm needed. Uh, Linebacker-wise, have they told you more Mike, Sam, or Will? Uh, I think more Mike. What was it like uh, interning for Condoleezza Rice? Uh, that was amazing. Um, you know, to get to go in her office, uh, see the work that she does every day, and then see all the important people that send her emails or that she's got correspondence meeting with. Um, you know, I worked on a KPMG project uh, that she worked. Still, Bobby, still, still there, there, Bobby? Still there, Bobby? Hello? Hey, Bobby. Sorry, we lost you there. Yeah, I think it cut off real quick. So, um, yeah, do you want to... You were, you were talking about a project you did? At... Yeah, I worked on the uh, KPMG project uh, with Condoleezza Rice. Uh, she just brought some uh, underprivileged kids in. 
uh, and basically just toured them around Stanford. So I got to organize that. That was pretty cool. Bobby, what were your interactions like with the Colts uh, Senior Bowl Combine the last couple months? I uh, just really talked uh, extensively with uh, their main area scout, Chris. Uh, first met him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, and then, you know, I, I had a formal interview with the Colts, uh, basically the whole staff, um, defensive coach, linebacker coach, um, and then got to meet them. And then obviously Chris was at my uh, pro day again um, and just felt really comfortable with them. You know, they kept telling me, we want you to be a Colt. We love you. We love your, your play style. Uh, we think we fit well with you, and I'm excited that they pulled the trigger. For those unfamiliar with your playing style, describe it for us. Yeah, um, fast, physical, uh, sideline to sideline. Um, got, I've got really good length, but also really good coverage ability, um, and I'm an instant uh, plug-and-play special teams player, so I can really uh, do whatever the team needs me to. Bobby, what was your major at Stanford? Management, science, and engineering. Uh, with a track in finance and decision analysis. So with that major, how'd you end up doing the political stuff? Uh, it was really just an opportunity that arised. Um, Matt Doyle, and our, he's our director of football operations, um, he just told me that there was an opening to op, uh, enter with Condoleezza Rice. So once I heard about that, I jumped on it. What does someone with that major do after football? Uh, anything in finance, basically. Um, I interned at a private investment firm, uh, in Palo Alto, uh, so I got good experience there, but really investment banking, financial analysts, any, anything in that realm. Andrew Luck apparently works out there a lot of times in the off-seasons. Have you developed any sort of relationship with him? Yeah, no, there was, there was a point in time he was back, uh, had some really good conversations with him. Um, just got to see like how smart, um, how humble, uh, and how focused of a guy he is. So obviously that's going to be a big role model for me. Uh, and someone that I'm going to be looking up to once I get get into Indy. Bobby, do you have any idea, you know, round-wise where you thought you would go tonight or maybe even yesterday or tomorrow? Uh, I mean, I was thinking third, maybe slight chance I go in the second, and, you know, I was prepared to go in the fourth or the fifth, but um, going in the third round, this is a blessing. Bobby, you talked about your interest. Did you make a pre-draft visit here? Uh, I didn't take any pre-draft visits to Indianapolis, no. I mean, I spent time there for the combine, obviously. But I took one to the Ravens, and then I also uh, spent a little time with the Raiders at their local pro day. I'm sure you've gotten a little familiar with the, the Colts defense now uh, with your experience talking with the staff. Uh, what does it the, – the prospect of playing next to someone like Darius Leonard, who just kind of jumped out of nowhere last year, what's that like for you? Um, I mean, it's amazing. Um, obviously, get to come and pick his brain, uh, but then just have someone in the um, position room like that uh, to compete with every day uh, and to feed that type of energy off of, I mean, it's only just going to make both of us better. Congrats, Bobby. All right, thank you. Thank you. Go Colts. Hey, Kari, congratulations. Thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah, it it, uh, it looks like you're a pretty strong locker room presence. How how important is that to you to be a good leader? I think that's very important. Um, that's something I pride my hat on, uh, being a leader in the secondary. Um, you know, trying to make everybody around me better. It's something that you know my dad instilled in me since I was, you know, playing point guard, playing basketball at a young age. I think those kind of translated over uh, as I developed into a defensive player, especially uh, you know trying to be on. Uh, one of the top defenses in the, uh, in the country now, the top defense in the league. So uh, I'm very excited to go and try to be a leader here at, uh, you know, at, at Indianapolis. You were a running back in high school, right? Yes, sir. What, what, 
What was that transition like going from offense to defense, and how did they kind of decide to do that? Yeah, so um, I played a little bit of outside linebacker um, early on in high school, and some of that film was on my highlight tape, my running back highlight tape, and uh, it struck a few countries across the country um, as me playing a defensive player. Uh, Coach D was one of those guys, and I knew coming in I was playing safety, so I kind of made a transition um, in the offseason before I got there at Michigan State, and then once I got there, it was just about uh, you know, learning the defense, was able to play early, and had some success there. So Coach D and uh, you know, the coaching staff, they always saw me as a defensive player. Were there, coach, were there other schools that tried to recruit you as a running back? Yeah, all my other, all my other offers, every other school that recruited me, uh, recruited me at running back, except for uh, Michigan State and Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern didn't didn't offer. I, I committed uh, soon to Michigan State. So you so why did you choose to make the switch then? Was it just to play better competition or? Yeah, I think I think it was just because um, I, I, I honestly I fell in love with uh, you know with Michigan State the way they sold the position to me. Um, you know me, me being able to naturally tackle, I always knew I could do that. Um, but uh, obviously make plays on the ball as well. So. Um, I, I felt like I could play. I felt like I could play early there, um, and I felt like everything kind of worked out is there uh, a, as, a, as, a, as a journey there. Sorry. Is, is there a, a certain mentality that you need to play on defense, and did you find out that you had that? Definitely. Uh, I think I, I ran with that mentality. Um, if you watch my film from high school, I ran with that uh, with a defensive mentality. Um, I feel like, and you know, I feel like, what we like to call the Spartan dog mentality is something I adapted as a defensive player as well. So I think that's just the underdog. Um, you know, not not take nothing from nobody, not give nobody nothing type of mentality. That's kind of where I grew up at. That's where I come from. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of what I try to, try to translate on the football field as well. Your um, your style of play. I mean, the Colts wouldn't have grabbed you if they didn't think that your style of play would fit with their system. But I'm assuming you feel really confident that what you do and how you play the position will fit in well here with this scheme. For sure, I, I definitely think um, you know what they what they ask me to do would be things to my strengths. Um, I love, you know, love the defense, uh, you know, love the way they play, uh, especially, you know, towards the end of the year as they really start, you know, uh, you know, getting the ball off people and playing hard and stuff like that. So uh, it's something that, um, you know, I'm looking forward to. And I know they got great guys, uh, you know, uh, in the secondary I can learn from. What coverage did you primarily play at Michigan? At Michigan State, uh, Michigan I primarily State, played, um, I primarily played, we played uh, cover four, a lot of man-to-man. And um, you know a little bit of three uh, D, three hundred and three deep zones. Curry, for people that haven't seen you play, how would you describe your your style as a safety? Uh, I think I'm a, I'm a sure tackling safety. Uh, I like to play around the line of scrimmage, but can um, you know step out in the in the deep parts of the field and make plays. Uh, feel like you can get somebody that's going to uh, you know lead, be able to go down and guard guard people, um, press up on guys um, as well as as get, as get guys. Uh, meet them, meet the backs one on one in the hole. So I think I'm, I'm versatile. I think I'm well rounded. You know, at the safety position, uh, it's just a matter of uh, you know, when I'm gonna take off when I learn the system. So I think you get the leader as well. Carl, yeah, did you, uh, how much did you meet with the Colts during the draft process? I met with them. Um, they, they actually they was talking to my agent a lot, and, um, and and they was asking for you know a lot of medical things. So you know, we kept an eye on that. Um, I felt we talked throughout the process. Uh, I think they're, they're at my pro day. Um, we talked. We talked at the senior bowl. Talked at the combine, um, and you know, we we just been talking and getting to know each other. And um, you know, I'm, I'm glad it turned out this way. Like I said, I got a lot of uh, you know family history with the Colts. Uh, with my uncle, my cousin, playing there uh, for so long. Who was your cousin? My cousin was Bill Billy Brooks, uh, Robert oh. Seaver. Oh, he's in the wow. Ring of Honor. Should have started with that. Very <laughs> 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 Yeah. Do you stay yeah, in contact yeah. with him much? 
Yeah, uh, he was even talking to me, kind of mentoring me throughout this whole entire process. Um, you know, just being with me, staying with me uh, with everything. Uh, so uh, he definitely, uh, I know he's going to be excited. I'm going to probably call him here shortly. Uh, he still lives down there in Indy, so I'm sure we'll be in contact soon. How much did he play a role just in your development as a football player growing up? Yeah, he played a big role. Um, he always kind of talked to my dad about things. Um, he never another Indianapolis number calling me right now. I don't know who it is, but he never wanted to. Uh, probably him. No. You say who? Probably Might him. be Bill. I don't know who it is. Take it. The Colts traded up 20 spots to get you. Um, what did that indicate to you? I mean, that's a lot in the fourth round. That's a, that's a lot of spots to trade up. Yeah, I uh, indicated that they wanted me, and they wanted me early, and they didn't want to take the chance of not getting me. So I definitely show on their part that they have interest, you know, to trade up 20 spots uh, to get me. So I think that's a, a tremendous blessing to just speak to how they think of me. I think uh, we think the same about each other, so I think it's going to be a great career, a great relationship. Takeaways are such a huge emphasis in this defense. It seems like you had your hand on the ball a lot. Is that something you consider a strength? One more time. Takeaways are such a huge emphasis in this in this defensive scheme. It seemed like you had your hand yeah. on the ball a lot. Is that something you consider a strength? Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely making plays uh, on the ball when it's thrown my way or going to make a play when needed to be. So I think in the big moments, you know, that's when, that's when uh, those plays happen. You know, third, fourth down, fourth quarter, stuff like that. So I think that's definitely uh, one of my strengths. I'm sure you're aware the Colts already have a, a few pretty good safeties, but they like to get, yep. uh, you know, a few of them out there, especially in like dime packages. Uh, yeah. How do you feel that fits you, and, and do you kind of see that as, uh, you know, an even bigger opportunity to get on the field early? Yeah, I think it, I think it fits me. It suits me well. Um, just, just based on what they like to do. Uh, I know I know they like uh, based on what they like to do, uh, playing in them dying packages and stuff like that. I think that'll help me because I wish I played. I played, you know, nickel. I played in the box. You know, I blitzed a lot off the edge, off the middle. Uh, and did a lot of things like that, so I think they saw that as well. Saw my versatility and probably could uh, play me at one of those one of those three spots. All right, thank you. Thanks, Kari. Hey, Marvell, congrats. Thank you. Yep. So uh, at USC, you were just safety, but you're listed at cornerback here. Uh, do you have that anywhere in your background, or is that going to be something new for you? Oh uh, no, that, I played corner in high school. Uh, you know, worked on my cover skills a little bit as a as a safety in college. So uh, not anything foreign to me at all. Did you get that talk from a lot of teams asking you to make the switch to corner in the NFL? Yes, yes, because I'm, you know, lean safety. So a lot of guys were wondering if I could play corner, especially with that new wave of you know, longer corners in the league. So, um, you know, I definitely got that a lot. And what, you, did, did the Colts, how much did the Colts talk about that with you? Possibly quite, a, quite a bit, quite a bit, yeah. They were one of the main ones talking about it. You had a lot of contact with the Colts throughout the process? I did. I did. Uh, I honestly had a pretty good feeling about the Colts uh, throughout this process. But, like, uh, you know, they kept kept, uh, kept in contact with me the most out of any other team. You what worked out for them, correct? What was that? You worked out for the Colts, right? And a couple other yeah. teams? Yes. I, I worked out with three other teams besides the Colts. Did they tell you where they see you uh, playing? The other teams? No, the Colts. What do they? What do they say? They envision you doing when when you get to town? Oh yeah, yeah. As a probably as a corner, corner safety. You know, knowing both. At USC, how much did you line up a corner? Or were you mainly just kind of a deep safety there? 
No, I was mainly a deep safety. Um, my junior year, I rolled down a lot more. Um, didn't, didn't play much corner in college. You tested kind of off the charts at the combine. Do, do you have any other sports in your background, or has it always just been football? Yes, uh, I grew up playing basketball, ran some track. Um, those are my other two main sports. Was that through high school and it was just football at USC? Yes. Okay. Which position do you like better, corner or safety? Uh, man, I, I, it's hard to tell. I like football. I mean, of course, I got more experience at safety, but um, you know, as I grow into a into a corner, um, you know, I could I could potentially like that position a little more. Marvell, what characteristics do you have that make you feel like corner can be a smooth transition for you? Um, long, I'm quick in, in you know short area range. Um, you know, long arms keep my hands on guys. Uh, pretty good eyes. Um, and I'm intelligent, so you know, I can break down a, a receiver or break down an offense and, and anticipate things. Would you say the big jump would just be more man coverage looks, something you didn't do a whole lot of in college maybe? What was that? Would you say a big jump will be maybe more just man coverage looks in the NFL versus what your responsibilities yeah. were in college? Right, right, correct. Did you do much special teams at USC, and is that somewhere you think you can make an impact right away? Oh, definitely. I played I played all four years on special teams. Uh, a lot of punt, uh, field goal block, um, kickoff as well. Um, those, those are the ones I, I will start in. Did you expect to go any earlier or any later? Or is this kind of where, where you were guessing? Uh, you know, my, my agent had told me highest third, um, lowest around the fifth, so kind of kind of in this range. Um, you know, I'm just blessed with the opportunity, man. All right. All right, thanks. In your words, what happened? Uh, I, I'm not really going to get into the bases. I'm just really excited at the moment to come down to uh, – to Indianapolis and play football and be a part of a great organization. So you're treating it as a one-time thing and you've moved on and there won't be a second stumble? No, I'm, no, definitely not. What, definitely what is, no, no second stumbles or anything like that. But what is kind of uh, your game? You know, for those of us who haven't seen you play, what, what's your style of play? Uh, speed is my biggest factor in elusiveness and playmaking ability. Uh, I love to make spectacular plays. I, I mean, I got like a it's like a fetish for me to make make um, spectacular plays that I feel like no one else can make. So that's basically um, my game. Just always searching for a big play that can change the game. There was a um, there's a pretty good will linebacker on the roster already. Have you been able to follow what Darius Leonard did last fall? Yes, Darius Leonard is a great player. He um, very fast, very elusive. Um, with his rookie of the year accolades and everything that he's done. Uh, I'm looking forward to coming in and really being able to learn from him. He he also uh, played uh, outside of Division One. Uh, you know that part of his story, and and is that kind of a motivating factor for you? Uh, yeah, coming outside of Division One, you always got kind of a chip on your shoulder because you know that you're uh, that you're talented enough to play at those bigger uh, levels of football. But um, but once you get into the NFL. I mean, everybody. It's like a it's like a reset button for everybody. Now you got to prove yourself all over again. And he did a great job at that. And I plan on doing the same. With your with your versatility, how did it come about that you were going to be a, a linebacker in the NFL? How did that all come about? Considering you played some quarterback and some receiver, did, did teams were teams trying to have you play other positions other than linebacker? Uh, most of my talk was linebacker. Uh, I just 
I mean, I, I take I take the offseason very seriously in preparing. So uh, my versatility is just off me and working hard at, at different positions that I know I'll be playing the next season. DJ, did you play in any All-Star games? Uh, no, I didn't. I got invited to the GS, to the uh, Gridiron Showcase, but I didn't play in it. And I, I wish I would have, but I didn't. What, uh, did you have pro days? Did you go anywhere for pro days in Texas? Uh, yes, I did a, a pro day for my school at Alito, and I went uh, to the Longstar Conference Pro Day up at Commerce. What's your special teams background? What's that? Say that again? Uh, do you have much of a special teams background? Specialty in the background? Special teams, uh, like the kicking uh, game special returner. Special teams background. Uh, yes, um... I did. I actually did well because Garbery out at Tarson State uh, on on field goal block and uh, punt block and uh, kickoff and kickoff return. So uh, yeah, I do have a. I'm I'm pretty special on special teams. How, how did you how did you how did you end up at a Division two school? Did you were there opportunities to uh, play FCS or play a, a Division one? Yes, there were opportunities, but I uh, my brother. My brother, uh, who was adopted, named Paul Sneed, he was adopted coming out of uh, coming out of Little League football for us, and he got diagnosed with cancer in December of my senior year in high school. So I decided to stay close to him with chances that he would uh, get over cancer and come and play with me at a uh, closer school about 45 minutes away from my house. He ended up passing away in April, so that didn't uh, so that didn't work out. But um, in all, I was excited to be talking to us in grad school with a great coach and stuff. Athletic directors and the family at Tarleton is just amazing. So did you? So it grow, all worked out. Did you grow up pretty close to Tarleton State? Uh, yes, I did. Actually, we played uh, Stephenville High School, which is the high school of, uh, of Tarleton State College in the city. So I had been to Stephenville before, but uh, I didn't really just grow up around the university until I until um, I got there. So, so you had opportunities to, to play at some – did you have offers to play at some bigger schools then? Did, can you maybe uh, name it or name this yes, uh, that we might know? Uh, yes, Oklahoma State, Colorado, Colorado State, and uh, University of Lamar. Okay. Okay. okay I think that's, that's it. We appreciate Thank your you. time. Thank you. Thank you. You guys have a good day. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, we have our local media here. They'll start firing away questions. Okay. EJ, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Could you clear up what position you play? We've heard about five of them. What do you think you'll play in the pros? I play wheel, outside linebacker. Okay, so you played a little receiver in college and then maybe quarterback before that, but it's strictly linebacker moving forward? Yeah. How much contact do you have? How much contact did you have with the Colts throughout this process, and did you expect to be drafted? Uh, yes, I expected to be drafted. I came down um, for thirty visit, for thirty for the thirty minute visit with the Colts. We had a. Um, I just I just felt the uh, organization was very uh, positive and active into uh, moving forward, and, and I feel like they do what they wanted while I was down on a visit. We're showing me their schemes and everything, and. Uh, I love the GM. He was great, Mr. Biller. And everything, everything went went well down in the visit. Um, I had I had plenty of fun. Sorry, I'm talking so so bad. I'm still excited. Hey, uh, hey, EJ. Um, with, you know, just looking at what we did, doing a quick uh, Google search of you. How much do you think the legal issues you had to deal with 
might have impacted where you were selected in the draft? How much do you feel like you had to sell yourself to teams that you can avoid trouble? I mean, um, selling myself to teams was, was based on the football field. With the legal issue, it wasn't um, – it was just something that, that me and a lot of guys learned from and just distancing myself from, from, from guys that's not going in the same direction as me. So, yeah, that's pretty much on that legal issue. But, um, but so, yeah, that, that wasn't really a big deal. How much did teams pepper you with questions about that and just your character off the field? Uh, it wasn't really an issue in my recruiting. It was, I mean, we talked about football most of the time. In your own process. In your words, what happened? Uh, I, I'm not really going to get into the bases. I'm just really excited at the moment to come down to, uh, to Indianapolis and play football and, and be a part of a great organization. So you're treating it as a one-time thing and you've moved on and there won't be a second stumble? No, I'm, no, definitely not. What, definitely what no, no second stumbles or anything like that. What is kind of uh, your game? You know, for those of us who haven't seen you play, what, what's your style of play? Uh, speed is my biggest factor in elusiveness and playmaking ability. Uh, I love to make spectacular plays. I, I, I mean, I got like a, it's like a fetish for me to make make um, spectacular plays that I feel like no one else can make. So that's basically um, my game. Just always searching for a big play that can change the game. There was a, um, there's a pretty good Will linebacker on the roster already. Have you been able to follow what Darius Leonard did last fall? Yes, Darius Leonard is a great player. He. Um, very fast, very elusive. Um, with his rookie of the year accolades and everything that he's done, uh, I'm looking forward to coming in and really being able to learn from him. He he also uh, played uh, outside of Division One. Uh, you know that part of his story, and, and is that kind of a motivating factor for you? Uh, yeah, coming outside of Division One, you always got kind of a chip on your shoulder because you know that you're uh, that you're talented enough to play at those bigger uh, levels of football, but um, but once you get into the NFL, I mean, everybody, it's like a, it's like a reset button for everybody. Now you got to prove yourself all over again. And he did a great job at that, and I plan on doing the same. With your, with your versatility, how did it come about that you were going to be a, a linebacker in the NFL? How did that all come about, considering you played some quarterback and some receiver? Did, did teams, were teams trying to have you play other positions other than linebacker? Uh, most of my talk was linebacker. Uh, I just... I mean, I, I take I take the offseason very seriously in preparing. So uh, my versatility is just off me working hard at, at different positions that I know I'll be playing the next season. DJ, did you play in any All Star games? Uh, no, I didn't. I got invited to the GS to the uh, Gridiron Showcase, but I didn't play in it. And I, I wish I would have, but I didn't. What, uh, did you have pro days? Did you go anywhere for pro days in Texas? Uh, yes, I did a, a pro day for my school at Alito, and I went uh, to the Lone Star Conference pro day up at Commerce. What's your special teams background? What's that? Say that again. Uh, do you have much of a special teams background? Specialty in the background? Special teams, uh, like the kicking uh, game return. Special teams background. Uh, yes, um, I did. I actually did well because Garbery out at Charleston State uh, on on field goal block and uh, punt block. And uh, kickoff and kickoff returns. So uh, yeah, I do have a. I'm, I'm pretty special on special teams. How, how did you? How did you? How did you end up at a Division two school? Did you? Were there opportunities to uh, play FCS or play a, a Division one? Yes, there were opportunities. But I, uh, my brother, my brother uh, who was adopted, named Paul Sneed, he was adopted coming out of uh, coming out of Little League football for us, and he got diagnosed with cancer. 
December of my senior year in high school. So I decided to stay close to him with chances that he would uh, get over cancer and come and play with me at a uh, closer school about 45 minutes away from my house. He ended up passing away in April, so that didn't uh, so that didn't work out. But um, in all, I was excited to be a coaching staff in grade school with a great coaching staff, athletic directors, and the family at Tarleton is just amazing. So, did you so it grow, all worked out. Did you grow up pretty close to Tarleton State? Uh, yes, I did. Actually, we played uh, Stephenville High School, which is the high school of, uh, of Tarleton State College in the city. So I had been to Stephenville before, but uh, I didn't really just grow up around the university until I until um, I got there. So, so you had opportunities to, to play at some. Did you have offers to play at some bigger schools then? Did, can you maybe uh, name it or anything yes, that uh, we might know? Uh, yes, Oklahoma State, Colorado, Colorado State, and uh, University of Lamar. Okay. Okay, I think that's, that's it. We appreciate you. your time. Thank you. Thank you. You guys have a good day. Hey, Gary, congrats on the pick. Thank you. Uh, so obviously people know a great deal about Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons, uh, but what, what sets you apart and makes you a special player in your own right? Uh, you can repeat it. I, I have some here. Oh, it's all right. Uh, so people know a lot about Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons, but you shared the line with them. Uh, what what yes, makes sir. you a special player in your own right? Uh, this is the way I take the game. Uh, I come out ready to work every day, ready to work every game. Uh, my effort just I play just I give my all every snap. You know, it's just how you know how I play. You know how I always play. How how you know plan to continue to play. Gary, you have a lot of contact with the Colts during the draft process. Um, they, um, they came out and worked me. I had a pre-draft workout with them, and, you know, I talked to, you know, yeah, I talked to them during their time, and, you know, we kind of kept in contact between, you know, now and then, but, you know, I, I, I didn't know, but, you know, I'm happy to be part of Code Nation and just, you know, ready to do it. You expect to be a defensive end, I assume, with the Colts? I'm not sure when they, um, uh, I worked out as a linebacker, um, but, you know, that that, add, that helps me with the versatility that I do bring. Um, able to play you know, different spots um, on the defense, around the defense. So, that, you know, it helps me. But um, I work out as a linebacker with the coach. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, what, what the plan is. So they, they haven't told you necessarily going forward what it's going to be. It, it could just be just about anything from here? Uh, yes, sir. Did most NFL teams work you out as a linebacker or, or an end? Um, it, it was – Split fifty fifty. I had teams come in, um, some linebacker, some for defensive end. So it's it really split down the middle. Uh, let's say you do land at linebacker. What kind of skill set do you already have in your game that would make you an effective linebacker as opposed to defensive end? Just um, my ability is being one of the bigger linebackers. Um, you know, being able to run sideline to sideline. Also, been able to. Cover skills that I have, you no know, better around just you no know, tight ends and just you know, just my athleticism helps me, you know, bring that to the table. And you played linebacker until your senior year, is that correct? Yeah, yes, sir. So you're you're, you're mostly used to standing up. Oh um, yes, sir. Congrats, Gary. Right, thanks, Gary. Hey, congratulations on getting picked. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure you know about the Colts. Um, there's a lot of toughness on this offensive line with guys like Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly. 
Uh, how big of a part of your game is that? It has to be. If you're an offensive lineman, you have to be tough. And so I've really attributed that for the past couple of years, working on my toughness in this game. But uh, I feel like it's paid off, and I'm just reaping the rewards right now, man. I'm really excited to get out there with my future teammates. Jackson, most of your experience on the left side of the line, what's your comfort with the right side, or, or are you mainly just going to stick with the left tackle position? No, um, my offensive line coach at Utah did a really good job of making sure I could do both sides, and so I've been working at the right side of the line. I played a little bit of right side my sophomore year as well, and so I can play both sides. Has the, col- has the coach shown a lot of interest? Uh, the Colts, uh, they showed some. I talked to them a little bit, but I was really surprised when they picked me. I had I didn't know they were really that much interested in me, but I'm just grateful they were. Jackson, did you start a left tackle the last two years? Yes, I did. Do you know Quentin Nelson at all? Um, I know I know about him. I never met him before, though. What were your thoughts on his rookie season and just watching him on film, if you have? Yes, we watch the. We I I tend to watch film on him. I watch film on him because when he was at Notre Dame, because we played, they played a couple teams in the Pac-12, so it was really fun to get to watch him and see what he did against other Pac-12 schools. Uh, the the Colts brought back an old familiar face this offseason in Howard Mudd. Uh, are you familiar with uh, just kind of the weight he carries around the league? Yeah, um, I know a little bit of it, but as I said, I'm just really excited for this opportunity. Jackson, did you expect to be drafted earlier, or what were kind of your thoughts coming into today? Um, I expected – I knew it was going to be on the third day. I would like – you know what? Everybody was going to be like a little bit earlier, but for me, just I wanted an opportunity to go play football somewhere. Congrats. Right, thank you. Hey, Javon, congrats on getting drafted. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, um, so you, you've you bounced around between all three interior line positions, and uh-huh. uh, the Colts listed you as a center. Have they told you specifically yet how they envision you fitting in? Uh, yeah, just, you know, coming in as a, you know, center, interior guy, you know, competing for the spot. Um, you know, that that's the main thing that, uh, you know, Coach Strauss and the GM told me. What, what not having seen you play, what do you bring to the position, whichever position that is? Uh, you know, I bring I bring the physicality and the mental. You know, uh, you know, throughout college, you know, I was a de- I was a durable player. You know, was able to play all four years. Um, you know, I think you know my biggest game is being quick and powerful. Um, so I think that I use that to my advantage. You talk about the physicality. Did you have much chance to watch the way they played last year with Quentin Nelson and just how they sort of tried to impose their will on players? Oh, for sure. You know, I love that mentality, man. I think. I think when you get a group of guys that have that contagious energy, you know, you, you can be very dangerous. And I'm excited to go join that group of guys, man. Ryan Kelly is kind of known for being one of the more cerebral centers in the league. Do you plan on just picking his brain as soon as you get here? Yeah, man, I plan on learning from them veterans, man. I think that's the biggest key of learning chemistry, I mean, of uh, getting chemistry together with that team is, you know, being able to, you know, learn after the veterans, you know, guys that's been there and done that, you know. And, and centers, you know, they often call a lot of the shots on the line. Um, wh- what role does leadership play in how you've been there at Old Miss the last few years? Uh, you know, just, you know, last last four years, man, I've been a great leader. You know, I started off my sophomore year being a leader. You know, after my freshman year, after taking over with Laramie and, uh, you know, those guys, uh, you know, my sophomore season, me and three other guys and Greg Little kind of came leaders of the, the offensive line. And, you know, I've, I've been established that and, 
you know, it's been great. You know, so I'm, I'm hoping to take that to Indianapolis with me. Have you had much contact with the Colts throughout this pre-draft process? Yes, they, they've actually had a lot of interest, you know. Uh, you know, so to get that phone call them from them really meant a lot, you know, from Coach Schauser and, you know, their uh, local scouts and the GM. All right. Thank you. And that wraps up the phone conversations with the Colts draft picks. Thank you for staying with us for this uh, rather lengthy edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at DaveG underscore sports. Follow Mike Chappell at MChapel 51 Follow Joe Hopkins at Roto Street Joe as well. And of course, our Twitter handle for the podcast at Colts Blue Zone. Download and subscribe today wherever you find your podcast. That's the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We'll see you next time.